welcome to No Page Unturned, the podcast where Christina, Steph, and myself, Josh, go in-depth discussing books, mainly focusing on those written by BIPOC and LGBTQ plus authors. Hello, and welcome to No Page Unturned, Geekly's book podcast. Uh, and today we're here with Kat Howard, uh, author of the Unseen World, maybe uh, trilogy. Right now it's a duology, just two. Okay, well, I was hopeful. Um, and A Slight of Shadows will be coming out on April 25th. Uh, and Kat has graciously agreed to talk with us and answer some of our and my personal burning questions, because this is not a democracy, and this is our podcast. In in more ways than one, this is not necessarily a democracy. You you have written an unseen world that is very much steeped in like the Gilded Age, and the houses um, are very very uh, nobility transported to New York. So, can you tell us a little bit about what it was like to return to the unseen world? Um, it was. It was, first of all, it was really exciting. Um, when I wrote An Unkindness of Magicians, it was actually written as a standalone. Um, I had no plans to, to continue it. I had the entire book finished. Um, it had gone out to early readers and stuff like that. Um, and I had, I had, I, I loved writing Sydney. She's one of my favorite characters I've ever written. Um, the Unseen World is not a great place to hang out, but hanging out with Sydney was a lot of fun. Um, and so I was like, well, maybe I'll just like leave a little bit of space just in case. And, you know, early response was really good when I was discussing, okay, what's going to be my next book with my editor, we brought up sort of, you know, well, would you like a sequel if I had one? And he was like, oh yes, I would definitely like that. And so things shifted. And I was like, okay, well, I'll try and write a sequel. That sounds great. This will be no problem. Friends, this was a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> um, partially because I had, I had this entire book written and finished. I couldn't go back and like, oh, let's put in this foreshadowing or let's put in this extra plot line that isn't going to get wrapped up yet. I, it was, it was there. It was done. I was stuck. Um, and so thinking about, okay, what do I want to do? Oh, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. Um, and then, you know, thinking about, well, what part of me wanted to write a sequel because at the end of An Unkindness of Magicians, I had left Sydney in kind of a really bad place for her. Um, and A, a Slight of Shadows picks up pretty quickly after that. So I'm not going to get too much into details. Um, but part of me was like, okay, let's, let's get her out of this problem. And then I was like, yeah, but it wouldn't be that easy. Um, and so the more I started thinking about, you know, what could I do to get her out of this problem? What could I do to continue things? It was like, well, again, this is this is not a nice world. It's not the place where you want to go on your vacation or anything like that. And so as I started to thinking thinking about it, I realized that there were a lot of complications that I was going to have to deal with um, in in writing the sequel that I hadn't planned to write. Um, and so it was a it was a really tricky and difficult book for me in terms of craft. It was also a tricky and difficult book in terms of things going on in my life and the world at the time. So it took really a lot longer than I wanted to in terms of writing it until I got it right. Um, there's we just won't even talk about how many drafts and partial drafts exist because it was just I'd get to a point and be like, no, no, this is not this is not the story that needs to be told. Um, so there were, there were some significant frustrations, but at the same time, you know, I do feel like I have 
told the story that I wanted to tell now. I feel like I've done my best to to do justice to that. And that's also a really good feeling. Um, I, this time I'm actually done though. There There isn't going to be a, hey, would you like to go back and maybe write another one? This is, I mean, I suppose anything could happen in the history of the universe, but there are, there are no plans. I am working on the next book. Sydney needs a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, a single tear is making its slow way down my cheek, but we'll just ignore that. Um, I'm cruel. It's fine. And, you know, to a, to a certain sense, these books are very cruel. There's no, uh, there's, it's a very unstinting sort of glimpse at humanity. Um, and it feels like, it also felt to me very much when I was reading it, that it was a book written after 2020 in America. Um, so did you did you set out to consciously do that? Is that something that kind of crept in on you? What was your process like there? It's that's sort of a yes and no question. Um, there's actually there's actually one of the drafts that got tossed was an entire draft where the follow up was going to be a, uh, a a magical plague that was sort of the remnants of of the yes. house. Was that before the pandemic or after? It, it kind of intersected. And I was, you know, and as I'm sitting there, and especially with in the United States anyway, New York City being one of the hardest hit places, both in general and early on, I was just like, I can't write this right now. I absolutely cannot write this. I need to rethink something because there's just, there's no way. Um, and so that was... It, that was a place where it was very much influenced by current events, but... Um, in terms of the the in terms of the the final version, the final draft that exists, you know, I didn't set out to say, oh, I'm going to wrangle with this current social issue or anything like that. But also, I mean, I live in the world, you know, like all the rest of us, and and so that's that stuff, everything that's going on, sort of seeps in, and and if I'm writing something that's set in a world that's really close to ours, both in terms of its actual geographical setting and sort of in time and stuff like that, I feel like that background is just sort of there underneath all the time. That makes sense. And it, you know, you've been working in multiple mediums too. So I'm curious how that's been influencing how you're encountering the world and then feeding it through the, you know, either the, the wood chipper of art or the, um, the graceful arches of art. Um, <laughs> what's it been like transitioning from the comics world? Um, I think it's not so much a transition as a constant, you know, like I said, this was, this, this book was kind of always being worked on in the background. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, and I, you know, I, I've, I've, I have the short fiction collection come out. I had a, 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 a run, um, on the, uh, books of magic comics, um, during the, the interim between these two books, I've always been writing short fiction. It's, it's sort of where I got my start publishing and, and something that I always have in the background, um, it, not as much when I was working on this, cause I felt like most of my actual prose writing was going into this, into trying to work something out with this book. Um, the comics, it's funny, um, Tim Hunter was also a magician. So I was working with, you know, two different kinds of systems of magic and the way things worked and everything else, um, and I was worried at the beginning. I was like, "Oh, is one you know is one going to bleed over into the other?" But no, it was very you know it's it was it was pretty easy to keep them distant in my head um, because I think Tim, for all that he dealt with, was a lot less 
a lot less cynical about things um, than than Sydney was, and maybe that's because he was, you know, he's he's still a kid, and so the the world hasn't quite smashed him up as much, even though he dealt with a lot of things. Um, but I think there, you know, it wasn't so much that I feel like. I think they were pretty separate processes for me in terms of creativity. Um, scripting a comic is very, very different than writing a novel and things like that. So it, it wasn't, if there's, if there's bleed between the two, it's not something that I noticed consciously, I guess, is the, the short version of what I'm trying and not very well articulating here. Was interesting working in so many mediums, you know, do you have rituals that you go through? Like, what is your writing process? It must look very different. It is. It's. It is very different. Um, I don't. I'm. I don't really have a a ritual for anything. Um, you know. Uh, but I think the the focus is different for each kind of thing, and I think that's what what helps me keep them separate. Like a comic script for me, working in comics was very much being aware of what is the visual element. Um, Tom Fowler, who is the artist um, who was the co-creator of the comic with me on all the issues that I wrote the scripts for, was just great um, and and could could draw anything that I threw at him and draw it like even a million times better than it ever existed in my head. And so, you know, once, once that, that working relationship was established, it was kind of like this huge okay, I can relax because I'm going to say something and then he's going to say, okay, let's do this and it'll be amazing and cool and look wonderful on the page. And so what I tried to do was just sort of pare down my my actual on the page writing and, and you know, give the script and be like, okay, let's talk about this and let's talk about this. And there'll be like maybe four lines of dialogue because the art said so much. And so that was really an exercise in learning how to tell a story to one specific person because he, you know, would then tell the story to the people on the page and also learning how to, I'm a pretty, I tend to be a pretty spare writer anyway, especially in draft. That was uh, an exercise in becoming even more so because, you know, you could really, you could cut down so much of the extraneous things. Um, short fiction for me is a little bit more, I'm a little bit more inclined to be experimental or to try different things just because a short story is short. Um, like I just had a, I just had a piece come out, um, this past weekend in Sunday morning transport that's written in fragments and in second person present tense. And I would never try and do that for an entire novel because it would drive me insane. Um, much less ask the reader to come with me for something that's structured and written like that, but for something that I knew was going to be, okay, I think this is about it. 2000 ish or so word story. I was like, that sounds fun. Let, let me see if I can do that. Let me see if I can pull that off. Um, and so it's a, it's a place where I feel a little bit more free to, to try things. Um, a novel for me is, is, you know, feeling, is there enough of the story in my head? How much, how much there is there? How much world is there when I think about it? Um, am I going to be able to, to create enough to sustain the story arc over what needs to happen for the characters. And there were a lot of characters in this particular novel. Managing that, you know, I think six or eight strand braid is a lot. Um, did you 
have any strategies for doing that? Did you intend to write that many POV characters? I absolutely did not. Um, <laughs> I, I, I am very much a write by your headlights writer. It's a, you know, mm. I can see the little bit that's next on the path and the little bit. And so like when I started in Unkindness of Magicians, it actually didn't start with Sydney. The first character that I had was Miranda. Um, and I thought it was going to be Miranda's story. And then very, very quickly, I was like, oh no, it's not her story at all. I know whose story it is, but that was, that was where it started. Um, and so I, and then I just, it wound up, I needed these extra people to be able to show the different aspects of the world, um, both in terms of how it functioned and how it didn't, but in, in terms of how people related to each other um, in that world and the various complications and, um, you know, the, that internet meme that goes around every so often about the crazy looking with the guy with the crazy wild eyes in front of his like murder wall with like <laughs> everywhere. Like, yeah. that's generally how I felt all the time. <laughs> Except I'm not organized enough to have the wall. <laughs> the wall exists in your head. I don't know if that's better or worse. Yeah, exactly. I don't either. <laughs> um, did you have a favorite character to write, at least? Maybe besides Sydney, if it's Sydney, which I assume it is. Um, yeah, I, she, I, liked, I liked writing her. Um, I was always really happy when Laurent showed up on the page because he's just such a decent human. Um, and was just decent all the way through and which is not necessarily you know what what people were like in the NC world and I was just like oh okay we can visit him again this will be good it will things things will be okay for like these next three pages um was it nice to visit the ho the houses in the unseen world if you haven't started the duology um are a little bit like people and a little bit like places and a little bit like forces um so was it, it it seems very stressful to visit any of the houses were there any that you liked though I can think of one in particular um I really did wind up liking House Prospero a lot um and it was it was fun to write the houses for me um I I, it, I have always liked books that sort of deal with place as character and this was a little bit of a way for me to get into that um but I think where I'm personally sort of like, I would not actually like to live in a house that could anticipate my needs and things like that, because that's just like, that's, that's just a little bit too panopticon feeling for me. Um, you know, like the house, the houses do, as you say, have their own sort of personalities. And so getting into this one that was, that again, that was trying, that was working towards some kind of kindness or decency or could recognize that, um, you know, it was, it was a way of saying, okay, look, if you, if you yourself can put this into a place, the place could reflect that back at you. Um, and so that was, that, that was, that was a nice one to write. It's also fun to sort of write a house that's not sort of bound by our world sort of um, kind of rules and things like that. And so all of a sudden could manifest a redecorating scheme or a new room or, you know, whatever it is you needed. I mean, sometimes when you're having a bad day, like to, to be able to go home and be like, could I have a really nice dinner? That'd be great. <laughs> but the houses are are also very you know, persnickety. So sometimes they they are willing to yeah. give you that nice dinner and sometimes they're willing to poison you. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean there's 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 always the the, the there's always the risk, you know, like 
and I feel like a lot of us can can relate to that, you know, like the 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 laundry machine that suddenly doesn't drain, but then starts instead starts shooting water out of the sides of it or whatever. It's like, okay, yes, except this time it's the house doing it on purpose, <laughs> <laughs> and and there's no maintenance person to call. <laughs> yeah, managing managing relationships with places the way that you manage relationships with people was a very fun kind of um undercurrent to this because it's not just the houses it's new york that kind of you know asserts itself um and uh especially in a slide of shadows it's um central park was it was a huge piece of it so um were you navigating any particular relationships with new york there um i personally hate it and never want to visit it so that seemed like it might have resonated also like a lot of people who love new york hate new york See, I also, I, I've never lived there. So I have the, you know, the, the tourist ability to show up in the city and be like, I love it here all the time. And so for me, it was very much, this is, you know, the, that setting when I, when I first started writing these books, when I wrote An Unkindness of Magicians, it was very much, a, okay, this, the, I would like this to take place in New York because to me, New York City felt like a place that had the space for that kind of magic to happen. And also for that kind of magic to stay hidden, um, that you would that you would need a city that was able to support both of those things. Um, and so, you know, that that to me felt, okay, yes, I can do this. And also I just I I liked thinking, I liked thinking about the city. I liked thinking about where could I put these different places if if the set pieces needed a specific geographic location or landmark or artwork or something like that to to tie into. Um, it felt like I could do that in a way that was recognizable. And, you know, one of the things that, that, that gets mentioned also, it's, it's a very sort of filmed and photographed and well-known city, which sort of adds to the, the, the magic in our world about it too. And so even, you know, it felt like a place where even the mundane people in the city could be like, you know, if they noticed something or something like that could just dismiss it as, oh, that that's how things are here. This is the way that works. Um, And that, and that, that could be a thing that the reader too could say, oh, okay, yeah, this, it makes sense that these things could happen or that you could tie this spell to this particular place um, and have that feel like it would, like it fit. It was a city that was well known enough that I wasn't going to be trying to ask people to imagine something that they didn't really have a a context for. And I think, you know, they, people have this imaginal context for New York, but they also have a lot of other, you know, kind of perceptions of big cities or famous places. And, um, you know, you're, you're done with Sydney's story. I wonder if you have intentions to kind of, the unseen world just feels very big. Do you feel like you want to apply those principles elsewhere? Are there places you're looking to bring those like types of magic, if not the actual rules of the unseen world? Again, at this point, I would say probably no. It feels like, you know, this is, for now, this is a story, a world, a magical system that I'm done with um, and don't have active plans to go back to. Um, Having said that, you know, it's also, it wouldn't surprise me at all for there to be people who 
the the preoccupations that I have that go into what I write, the, the, the what I like to write about, the way I like to write about things, they tend to show up over and over and over again, you know, that, you know, name five things that are going to be in a book that you've written. Okay, yeah, that, you know, I can, I can look at different books and say, okay, it's probably going to have these certain, these certain qualities in. And so from that perspective, I think it might very well be that a reader could go back and say, oh, okay, there isn't an, an explicit connection here, but I can see how it, it how it showed up in this book. And then I can see how it showed up in that book and, and where, where there might be resonances or similarities. I think one of the other themes that I've certainly noticed in your writing, although feel free to correct me, obviously, um, is, you know, kind of willingness to take a hard look at things. Like your books can be, unexpectedly brutal um with a in a in a way that is not fancified or glorified it just kind of yeah this is hard um and and you manage to maintain a sense of optimism through it and i'm just wondering if that is something that you have to like what, what is the part that you work at you know are is your brain definitely like the the haunted interior of stephen king's brain <laughs> or are you um <laughs> Are you imposing that later? Um, I think what I try to do is to be clear-eyed in how I look at things. And so to not to not lean too much in either direction, um, unless there's a story-based reason for doing it, into what you said, either, you know, the gore and the the badness of it, but also, you know, I don't want to look at it as like, oh, everything will be okay now. Um, you know, and I know that there are writers who do both of those things, who lean into the darkness or who lean into the hope of of whatever. And, and that works really well for them. And the story is that they're trying to tell. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but for me, I think when I start running through things, when I start running through ideas and then sit down to the page, I think I'm very much somebody who's going to see both sides of things. And so it feels, it feels important to me to acknowledge both, both the, both of the, the, the optimism and the darkness and to, just to deal with that as it comes, not, not to, not, not, not to overemphasize either one or the other. And I think you do a really admirable job of making sure that your characters are resilient and they keep going, even though they've had terrible experiences, like Sydney's experience is only shared by one other person in the mm -hmm. books. Um, you know, it's so uniquely awful. <laughs> um, but, you know, you also have these these villains who show up um, and I won't say, you know, too much about it, but but a recurring villain is a house. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you have to there, there is a sense that there is this pervasiveness to both it, evil and to sadness, because there's also an element where, you know, Central Park is I don't want to say infected, but definitely impacted by yeah. by reality. Um, and I think that I think, you know, some of that specifically the house, the park, that sort of thing, I think it goes back to the idea of the of both of place as character, but also of the idea 
you know, we, we talk about a place that could be haunted or a place where there's, you know, has bad energy or something like that. I think we talk about that a lot in our world too, is a place where something bad has happened or where bad things consistently happen. I mean, we say, you know, gosh, when I walked through there, I felt a chill go across my skin or, you know, I felt so sad when I was walking through the, you know, over here, or things like that. And so it was sort of a, okay, yes, you know, I think that, you know, that, that can happen. Those are very valid experiences. I'm writing fantasy fiction where I can sort of push on that and make it concrete and instead of saying, you know, these people got bad vibes from walking through a place, I can say, yeah, okay, they did. Here's the reason I'm going to make this actually physically present. Here's the reason why you feel uncomfortable walking through here. Um, and it's also sort of a reminder, too, that, you know, especially in the unseen world, that these the actions that caused these bad things, they had consequences, you know, and to, to say, I'm going to take these consequences and I am going to make them physically manifest. And I'm going to say, you can't look away from the things that you did. You might want to, but they're here and they're actually going to talk back to you at this point. You're going to have to face this whether you want to or not. Um, you know, it's one of the really interesting things about writing in the fantastic is you can take you can take vibes and make them actual <laughs> things. Um, and it's something, you know, that it's something that's part of what draws me to writing in this, this genre is to be able to say, you know, we're not, we're not going to stop at a metaphor. We're going to put the metaphor right here in front of you and be really direct about it. Um, and, and I really, I really wanted to do that. I wanted to say, you know, that that you can't, I would hope that you can't just take a world and reimagine it to make it cool for your own use without somebody stepping up and saying that's that's actually wrong. You can't just ignore the the things that you've done to get what you are and the power that you have. Um, part of part of the beginning inspiration for Unkindness of Magicians was a line in Peter S. Beagle's The Last Unicorn about magic, um, about how real magic for to have real magic you have to cut out your own liver you can't just cut out someone else's and expect that to work for you and so that's that's part of I'm 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 miss I'm missing the precise words of the quotation but it's it's basically like you can't you know if you want something that bad you have to be able to give to be prepared to give up something big and it has to come from you you can't ask someone else to make that sacrifice um, and that's very much what this world and what these books are about is what happens when you ask someone else to make that sacrifice and what happens when they decide they're not going to do it anymore. I, you know, I should have realized, although it didn't occur to me until you said it, that The Last Unicorn is a major, you know, it's a major influence on a lot of writers, obviously. Mm, it's um, so amazing. And it, yeah, it, it's a classic. And I think it, um, it also encapsulates kind of the sadness that's kind of a little bit at work in the unseen world, that there is no escaping pain that, mm -hmm. you know, but you, you don't have to inflict pain. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think that, I think that that's, that's, you know, something that we walk through in our world too, that I think pretty much and nobody gets out of things completely unscathed, but you know, the place where we have the choice isn't whether or not there's going to be pain in our lives. It's whether or not we're going to pass that on and that we can, we can try not to. That's pretty great. And, um, 
I don't know. I just like that. And obviously I like your books. Uh, are there any other influences on um, your writing, either in comics or in novels or in all of them? I mean, like, it, I, we, we, we could do like an entire, I could go on for hours um, because I think it's, it's just, you know, I think so much of, of what you what you read and what you think about and everything else can show up as influences and so like um you know I can talk about how you know I've I've loved fantasy fiction since I was you know basically since I could read um you know one of the and and how so the the fantastic and so many amazing writers have been influences on me um you know, just starting from like Madeline Malingle and Susan Cooper when I was younger reading books and, you know, obviously, you know, Peter Beagle, but, you know, also like Shakespeare. I mean, there's a reason House Prospero is a major <laughs> house and things like that. Um, and, you know, so it, it, I think, I think it can come from everywhere. I think you, you pick up pieces of, for me, it feels like it, 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 you know, it feels like being sort of like the magpie that picks up the shiny things and brings them back to their nest. And so I just have this nest full of shiny things. Um, and sometimes it's a, it's a very specific choice to engage with that influence. And sometimes it's just a, oh, well, I'm going to take this person's name and give it to my, to this character, because that's a fun way to, to nod at that. Um, like Sydney is Sydney because I loved the television show Alias and the character Sydney Bristow that Jennifer Garner played. And I just thought she was great. And she just like, it's a comfort rewatch television show for me. So I was like, I'm this, this is, this is who she's going to be. <laughs> Are there any other tidbits to, to whom you're pay, paying homage? <laughs> oh, there, uh, all of the, all of the houses are named, or all of the, I, there might've been one or two that snuck in. So I don't want to say all, all of the houses where I wasn't sitting there going, oh, crud, I need a name at the last minute are named <laughs> for uh, magicians, either fictional or real life. Um, so there are, there are actually ties to almost all of them. Um, and so there's, there's myth and fairy tale and, and real life magicians that show up in there. Myth is a very big theme with a lot of your work, um, especially in, uh, you know, not just limited to these novels, but most of your other novels and short stories and stuff. Um, is there a particular myth, you know, tradition that you like to read? Um, are you inspired by any myths lately? Um, I, I will read pretty much any set of mythology and things like that fairy tale kind of story that I could get my hands on. I always have been like that. Um, and so it's, it's basically if it, if I don't like it, if I don't like it, it's only because I haven't encountered it yet kind of, kind of thing for me. Um, and so I'm always looking for new stories like that. Um, just because I love that kind of storytelling of the, 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 let's take a big question and tell a story about it, um, kind of thing. Um, I think I have a, seriously ongoing obsession with the King Arthur myth. I've written a couple of pieces in there, but I feel like there's still, I feel like I'm not done with that yet. And that's, so that's one that I can point to specifically as something that I'd like to continue to engage with in my work and writing. Um, but yeah, they're just, I, I, I love that kind of story. 
it, it's evident too that you get a lot of not just the inspiration but the consequences from myth which are often dramatic uh and terrible <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> um so you know we always like to place books kind of in the context of other books so what are you reading now um, let's see. I have recently, I recently, uh, read, uh, Lee Bardugo's Hellbent, which is the follow-up to Ninth House, which is just, gosh, those books are astoundingly great. Um, so that is something that I have recently read. I just picked up, uh, Kelly Link's new, uh, short fiction collection, um, white cow we're not on tv i was like i will show our <laughs> listeners this i mean <laughs> it was a great idea until i realized <laughs> for for listeners uh kelly link's covers are cool but i will say um if you are a fan of lee bardugo um and you are into the aesthetic trend um the Cat Howard books will also fit that trend. They are black and white and very dramatic. So, go nuts. Um, and then um I always have I always have some some nonfiction going on. So I've got a, a book on, on tarot that I'm reading for research. And then I also just picked up um a new collection of Seamus Heaney's poetic translations that I'm so excited to dig into. Um, poetry is a huge, huge love of mine, and he's one of my favorite poets, so I was really pleased to get my hands on that. We are very fortunate to have some of his stuff yet to come. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us and sharing your reading list with us, um, because everyone's is always growing all the time, and uh, honestly, that's how it should be. Um, is there, uh, anywhere online that people could or should find you? Um, um, let's see. For as, yeah. For as long as Twitter still exists, you can find me on Twitter as cat with sword K A T. Um, and I'm the same handle on Instagram. Um, I write a Substack newsletter called epigraph to epilogue that's on sort of poetry and prose and tends to lean a little bit more like it, it's me sort of dusting off my academic credentials and, and, and digging into, you know, meaning and feeling and stuff like that a little bit more. It's not sort of book review. It's just sort of book talking. Um, so that's that's where I tend to hide. The cat pictures are all on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've been joined secretly by cats of a mysterious number. We won't tell you, but if you guys, <laughs> we'll, we'll admit it. Um, and of course, your website, is it cathoward.com? Uh, cathowardbooks.com. Books.com. Right. Yeah, you can find details and, and various things that I've written if you want to peruse the back catalog, so... Um, and then, of course, uh, again, just a reminder that A Slate of Shadows comes out on the 25th of April. Uh, you can order it pretty much wherever books are sold. Um, but I believe that if you order it from uh, various indies, uh, capitalism won't win, question mark. So try to do that. Yeah. And if you if you are a signed copy person and you order within the next week or so from next chapter books here in the Twin Cities, I will be very happy to sign and personalize the book for you. Yes. Support independent bookstores, support next chapter books um, and support Kat Howard. Yeah. Thanks for <laughs> joining us. Um, thanks again for having me. This was really fun. 
uh, our sign off is we usually just yell books and then duck. So books, everybody. Books. <laughs> Thank you for listening to No Page Unturned, part of the Geekly Inc. podcast family. If you like the show, please show us some love with a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Page Podcast. The show is edited by me, Steph Kingston. Our amazing theme music is by Bad Sparrow, and you can check them out at Bad Sparrow Music. And our cover art is by Chango Chimango, who you can check out on Instagram and Twitter at Chango Chimango.